Good evening, fellow fart fucks. Welcome back to Tusk, episode 5. And I have a special announcement. As of yesterday, Tusk is now available on not only Spotify, but Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Index, and Listen Notes. So, if any of y'all use those platforms, you might listen to this on there or not, or I don't know, whatever the fuck you're listening to it on now. But, anyway, not only that, but Marquis and I are also putting together a live stream possibility for election day for the 2022 midterms. We're thinking about possibly live streaming that and keeping up with the charts and the maps and the graphs and the whatever the fucks that we could use to represent. So, if we get that put together... Y'all can be sure to check it out on YouTube, and without further ado, how you doing tonight, Marquis? Excellent. Thank you for having me again, Tusk. Thank you for being on here again. Now, today we are focusing on the midterms. We're going to really be taking a magnifying glass to it. Well, let's see uh, what the numbers add up to as of right now. So, for today... For this episode in particular, we are going to be looking at numbers off of two main websites, electionbettingodds.com and 538.com. And from what it looks like, the Republicans seem to be gaining steam and fast. What say you, Marquis? Any thoughts? Yes, that is definitely accurate from what I've seen, but... uh. The story is a little bit different in my home state of Illinois. Real Clear Politics is predicting Governor Pritzker to trump Darren Bailey by nine points as of today. And the Hill Emerson poll is predicting Duckworth is going to beat Salvi by 10 points. Illinois is a safely blue state for most of the time. Of course, because of that uh, monstrosity that is Chicago. But our politics are getting particularly interesting this year because, for once, Pritzker, the porcelain prince of Illinois, is finally up for re-election. We can finally maybe kick him out, but don't count on it. Because, I'm going to scroll over to electionbettingodds.com, the people who actually put their money where their mouth is on elections are predicting that he has a 91% chance of winning the governor's mansion. Which is uh, quite a statistic. Right, yeah. According to election betting odds, Pritzker has a 91.5% chance, and according to 538, Tammy Duckworth has over a 99% chance of winning the Senate. And, yeah, those do not look like good odds for the elephants. So It does not... And state politics, like I said, are getting interesting for another reason. On the ballot this year is the Workers' Rights Amendment. This is a constitutional amendment to the state constitution that's going to solidify collective bargaining basically forever in the state. There was some talk during Rauner's administration, the last Republican governor who Pritzker defeated, about Illinois becoming a right-to-work state, but... If this goes through, that will never happen, ever, unless that's 
gotten out of there. This will pass if 60% of people voting on it prove it or a simple majority of people voting in the election vote yes. Right. Yeah. Um, all our listeners in Illinois, everybody turn and collectively say, thank you, Cook County. Did y'all do it? Absolutely. Right. Good. Good shit. Yeah, it doesn't look like the red wave will be hitting Illinois anytime soon, unfortunately. Red waves usually don't hit Illinois. In fact, four out of five of the last governor's elections since 2002 have went to the donkeys. So we'd be going against the tide if Illinois really got uh, any good governors in. Yeah. Of course, Illinois doesn't really get good governors in, even if we do elect Republicans. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tragic. Governor Rauner was, of course, rated as one of the worst effective governors in the country by, I believe, the National Review when he was in office, which it really says something if you're the absolute worst governor in the country. That's bad even for Illinois standards. Yeah. And, of course, we have a number of governors who actually went to prison. The last one being pardoned by former President Trump, which is another honor that or dishonor, really, perhaps, that few other states could match having a bunch of governors in prison. Yeah, Illinois is, well, y'all do have one good thing going for you, and it's that a guy sold an Illinois-shaped cornflake for, for $1,350. That's amazing. The only good thing about Illinois is the corn. Or in this case, the cornflake. Yep. I, I am very sorry to be hearing about your state's situation, Marquis. You and I both. I've got to live here when they get rid of the cash bail. Yeah, that's another thing, Illinois. What the fuck is your game plan here? Offering no cash bail for several, for many different crimes, and for several of them being very violent and dangerous crimes. That's, that's, that's not a good thing. I can't believe I have to say that to you. What, what's the deal with the murder charge again? Is it that they have to prove that the accused is a threat to somebody in particular? Isn't that the thing for them to have to hold them? Yes, to the best of my knowledge, it has to be shown that the accused is a specific danger to a person, not society. And if you can't show to that specific person that the, that the accused is a danger to, then that person will not be eligible for pretrial detention. Right. Yeah, um... That's tragic. That is tragic as fuck. Very much so, Tusk. Almost as tragic as that debate between Fetterman and Oz last night. Oh my god. I wish I could have caught the whole thing. I only caught the last few minutes. I got... Eh, maybe it was like ten minutes. I got the last ten minutes or so. And that, that was enough. That was enough for me to know what's up with Fetterman in particular. Um, Fetterman showed his cards really early on, 
when at the beginning of his opening statement, he told the crowd a good night. Uh, well, it was, uh, I heard uh, a couple of days before the debate, Fetterman's uh, campaign team sent out a public message warning everybody, deadass, it said, Oz is a, he is an experienced TV personality, he's used to speaking, Fetterman is probably going to slip up and stutter and have a few gaffes. I'm not kidding. They said that. And uh wow. But they were not wrong by any means. Oz looked comfortable on the stage the entire time. He smiled, he laughed. Uh Fetterman just didn't. Fetterman looked like a 12-year-old with stage fright having to sing at a talent show. It was it was bad. I almost don't want to quote Fetterman because of just how bad he performed. But I think the people nonetheless have the right to know, and Fetterman already embarrassed himself on the stage, so whatever, we might as well say it. On fracking, and keep in mind, it seems like both of them reversed their fracking positions. They were both against it years ago, but now they're running, or, gov or Senate, sorry, of uh, the biggest oil and gas producer in the region. They've got to be pro-fracking. So they both flip-flopped, but Fetterman flip-flopped in a very interesting way. He said this, and I quote, I do support fracking, and I don't. I don't. I do support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking. That's an exact quote. I almost don't want to repeat it because of how bad he did. Yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was very, very ugly, and... I mean, the fact is, the dude had a stroke back in, I think it was May, and it's just cruel to have that going on, and it's his decision, if he gets back up and decides to race again, sure, don't elect him. Even if you don't like Oz, I get it, Like he he's said and done some shit in the past that I don't stand with either, he's also an Eagles fan, but I digress. Fetterman had a stroke. And since he had that stroke, he has been showing clear signs of ailment and not being fit for the job. That's, that's just a fact. And it's crazy that back when John McCain was running for president in 2008, the Democrats attacked him every chance they got for not being able to type very well because he was tortured in Vietnam. And yet, keep in mind, that only affected his like motor skills, typing specifically. He, he was still completely on upstairs. And they attacked him for that. He was ridiculed. And yet, now, not only do we have Sniffy the Clown as president, that the Democrats hailed as their savior when he was running, now motherfuckers are trying to elect John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, who has shown clear signs of cognitive decline, because of a stroke. It's... I really don't know how to describe it other than bullshit. Fucking bullshit. It is very cruel. I don't know how you could, in good conscience, run someone who is clearly showing the symptoms of cognitive decline 
And I really fear for Pennsylvania and for the rest of the country if this guy gets into office, which right now the polls say he might. It's a dead heat. Mm-hmm. The CBS News YouGov poll from Tuesday said that Fetterman was up two points. That's, of course, within the margin of error, which is, as a rule, around three points. But it's close. And like we were saying earlier, Fetterman hasn't even released his medical documents and said yesterday in the debate he wouldn't do it. Exactly. Yep. What does that tell you? It's not a good look at all. Exactly. Whenever politicians aren't releasing tax returns or medical documents or something like that, it's a really bad look. I'm not standing with any politician in any instance where they're saying that they're not going to release some information to the public. Right. Not doing it. Currently, 538 says that Fetterman uh, has about... They say his chance of winning is about 60 and 100 as opposed to Oz 40 and 100. But says their forecasted vote share is Fetterman at 49.7 and Oz at 48.2. Of course, this is a very, very much so in the margin of error. And from my experience and from what I've heard from many, many people is that Polls are often inaccurate when it comes to Republicans in particular because a lot of Republicans, they don't want to admit that they're Republican because they get ridiculed and criticized and, well, in many cases, harassed. So a lot of them are going to be like, no, fuck you. I'm not saying shit. So that's also something to take into account, whether it makes a huge difference or not. It's still worth noting. I I Indeed think, it is tough. Especially after last night's debate, I think that Oz has a pretty good chance at winning. And if he doesn't, well, I, I'm praying for you, Pennsylvania. I am. You and I both. So, Pennsylvania looks like it could be a coin toss for the Senate race. However, one of the biggest elections in the 2022 midterms, Florida. Florida is, well, right now it kind of seems like America's state. And for good reason. Many people credit that to the current governor, Ron DeSantis. However, just two nights ago, Ron DeSantis' challenger, Charlie Crist, who was also governor, elected governor of Florida, in 2006 as a Republican however he has since changed parties and gone the way of the donkey and is now facing off against DeSantis electionbettingodds.com where they put their money where their mouth is they say that Ron DeSantis has a chance of 95.5% as opposed to Chris, 4.5%. And after watching their debate two nights ago, it's not too hard to see why. Uh, I only watched maybe 45 minutes to an hour of the debate, and I think that both presented themselves well. 
it was much, much better than Fetterman getting his asshole handed to him on a silver platter by Mehmet Oz. However, with Christ, he debated about as you would expect him to. Ron DeSantis is one of the most popular governors in America right now. And Christ, you could tell, was struggling to just grab for anything he could. He dodged several topics, and when he was actually speaking on the topic, he always found a way to try to twist and turn it back into abortion. For example, one of the big issues, and particularly that DeSantis has given many thoughts on, is the issue of children undergoing gender affirmation therapy. When the moderator asked about this, Christ said absolutely nothing on the issue. Nothing. Not a zit. Instead, he just said, uh, and I quote, not exactly verbatim here, but it was roughly, Ron DeSantis believes that he knows better than everybody, even for decisions about themselves, especially a woman's right to choose. He said nothing on the transgender issue. All he said was abortion, abortion, DeSantis bad. And it was like this in almost every question. Just dodge it, spin it back into abortion, and, well... That was it. Almost everything was about abortion, which it's not hard to see why, because that's really the only issue that Democrats kind of have leverage on. But yeah, that's why DeSantis has roughly a chance of about 95%. What say you, Mark? That's right, Tusk. The bettingodds.com, like you said, 95.5% chance of a DeSantis victory, and other polls by people who aren't putting their money where their mouth is to overkill the same phrase we've been using all night, is uh, one poll from the University of North Florida from today is putting DeSantis up 14. Another poll from Data for Progress is putting DeSantis up 12. And let's talk a second about Data for Progress. Uh, for those listeners who don't know, this isn't exactly an arm of the Democratic Party, but it's an arm of the Democratic Party. Data for Progress is a very left-wing skewed poll, and even they have DeSantis up double digits. They're completely conceding that the Florida race is basically over for them, which is something big. I was reading another article about Data for Progress lately, and it seems like they're really only talking about mitigating losses for the Democrats. Democrat strategists are saying that they think that they'll lose 20 to 30 seats in the House. And the GOP is contesting seats in California, New York, Democratic bastions across the country. Ground where we wouldn't have been able to touch a few years ago. But the Democrats are on the defensive and they're having to pour money into these seats that should be safe. But it's not working. They're not going off and trying to hit districts and jurisdictions where Trump won in 2020. It's completely the other way around. And just right there, 
the allocation of funding, where people are spending time campaigning, where the dollars are going, that right there is enough to sound alarm bells in the head of every Democrat in this country. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm looking at data for progress right now. And yeah, it's it's openly left-wing bias. And even they know that the areas that would be most important, particularly areas that Democrats have been trying to target for the, for the last few years at least, uh, such as Florida because it's such a heavy swing state that now recently is going to the right, and Texas where Democrats have been trying to flip blue for, uh, well, decades now really, even they acknowledge that the Democrats don't have a chance there. And it's exactly, and that's everywhere, really. Despite uh, some of the media hysteria, Beto really doesn't have much of a chance in Texas. It's possible. It's probably he's probably he's probably more likely to win Texas than Chris is to win Florida. I would be very surprised. Five thirty eight dot com says that Greg Abbott has a ninety seven percent chance of winning Texas, and Beto, sorry, Francis. Only three in 100, with the forecasted vote share putting Abbott at 54.9% and Beto at 42.9%. And what? Absolutely. With DeSantis, it's 54.6% to Christ at 43.3%. And it's the same as the Texas chance of winning. Ron, 97 and 100. Christ, 3 and 100. 538 came to basically the same conclusion and said that the chances of the Democrats flipping governorships in Texas and Florida are the same, and they're both 1 in 20. Not going to happen. And when you look at polls, like I said again, DeSantis is up double digits. Abbott, he's not up as much. I'm looking at a Univision poll here that usually, again, and it flips to the left, also has Abbott up by four points. Close to the margin of error, but look at all the others. That's even an outlier among the other polls that are being conducted in Texas. Right. Which, speaking of the Texas governor's race, we've already touched on it in a couple episodes before, but so we won't focus on it as much today. However, I would like to note that despite... As I've said before, all the media hysteria. I've heard several people from, well, Texas, from outside of Texas, people saying, Texas is going blue. They said, Abbott is out. Abbott is unpopular as fuck. There's no chance that Beto's losing this. Abbott, as of today, has gained 2.9% according to bettingodds.com and is in the lead 93.5% to O'Rourke's 6.5%. Democrats have talked about turning Texas blue for over a decade now, with every single election. Presidential, midterms, every single election, they say, this is the year we turn Texas blue. Texas is turning blue. It ain't happening. At the very least, not for, I'm betting at least another two decades. It's not going to happen. The only thing that makes people think that it is is because 
and we know this, and if we have any people on the left watching us, this isn't even necessarily me shitting on you here. I think everybody pretty much knows at this point and has accepted the left is loud. Loud as fuck. And that's why you hear more people screaming for, well, any real democratic candidate. People in the cities, college students especially, and, and that's not just with politics, especially college students. College students are very activist-driven, so that's why you see Democrats a lot of the time campaign in university areas and then have try to have those college students spread the message. That's how it goes. The left is so fucking loud. And it makes it seem like there are more people on the left than there really are. I do basically agree with that, Tusk. When you really look at where the Democratic Party's voters are, it's basically an urban party now. That's it. The Republicans, eh, mostly a rural party. But yeah, the Republicans have some penetrations of suburbs and... Like we were saying earlier, the Republicans are gaining ground in some very unexpected places. New York, California. If trends like that keep going, I don't know if it is. I don't know if it's going to keep going. But if it does, then we really could see some big action in the midterms. This really could be a red wave. It really could, Marquis. It, it really, really could. At first... A lot of Republicans were worried because Democrats, especially after Roe v. Wade's overturning, they started gaining more ground. And with Biden having a few almost not failures, it seemed like the Democrats could really be picking themselves up and dusting themselves off. But now it really doesn't seem that way anymore, especially with early voting starting just this Monday. It seems like the Republicans could really be running them over. For example, uh, in Ohio, a big race, a big, big race, almost as big as Pennsylvania. J.D. Vance, the Republican, is taking on Tim Ryan. And from my understanding, Tim Ryan, not too long ago, was in the lead. Up until about May, and then they kind of flipped around for a bit. And it, it was a dead heat race. However, Vance has quickly gained ground, and now he is sitting quite comfortably in the lead. 538 gives J.D. Vance about a 77 and 100 chance of winning with 52.3% of the forecasted vote share. It's looking more and more like the Democrats are going to lose big time in these midterms especially considering for the first time in, what is it, four decades? Some people are predicting that Oregon is going to pick a Republican governor back up. That is huge. And on 538, it's saying that it is a dead tie between the Republican Christine Drazen, I think that's how you pronounce her name, can't be sure, with a 50-50 chance of winning against Tina Kotek, with both of them having a 41.4% forecasted vote share. And what do you know? Betsy Johnson 
has a 14.6% forecasted vote share with a less than 1% chance of winning, obviously. That's very interesting, Tusk. Right now, I circled over to the electionbettingodds.com and found another really interesting statistic about the Oregon governor's race. Republicans, 50.5% versus Democrats, 49.5%. It's literally separated by half a percent on the election betting odds website, the place where people actually have money riding on their predictions. Right. I'm seeing that uh, bettingodds.com says that they're estimating that we'll have 30 Republican governors opposed to Democrats 20. 36 governors' races are up right now. 36 in this coming election. Uh 88 state legislative chambers are up. The GOP has either trifecta control, which is both of the houses of the legislature and the governorship and or veto-proof majorities in both of the legislative houses in 25 states. The Democrats can say the same for 16. We have the chance to take trifecta control of Wisconsin, North Carolina, and Alaska. We're talking about the GOP here. And the Dems could do the same thing for Vermont. They're there's a lot hanging in the balance in this election, not just uh, the National Congress. The state-level elections could be really consequential, especially when you consider all of the big legislation that's coming out in the past year, like uh, Illinois, no cash bail again, or uh, California, how they're trying to ban and cars that aren't electric in the next decade. State legislatures are going to be very important in this next year. Indeed. To all our California, Illinois, blue state listeners here, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, or if you just don't give a fuck and you're listening to us because you have nothing better to fucking do, I encourage you, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you you have to vote Libertarian or Republican or Democrat or whatever the fuck. All I'm going to tell y'all here is, please, for the love of fuck, look past the letter next to the person's name. Really, really think about their values and what's important to you and how it's going to affect your state, your community, your city, your family. I mean, I'll admit, I'm a bit biased too. Uh, Even though... Marquis and I are not necessarily members of the Republican Party. As we've said before, we typically caucus with Republicans because we just agree more with their ideals. And I would lie if I said that I didn't have some bias towards that. When I see a D next to somebody's name, it does kind of make me go, uh, I'm probably not going to like what this person's saying. But I've said before, there have been Democrats that I would, I have... I've never voted for a Democrat before, but there are Democrats that I would vote for. Like I said before, until Tulsi Gabbard left the Democratic Party, she was one of them. Joe Manchin, I'd probably consider voting for him at some point, too. And I'm sure there's another Democrat somewhere out there that I would vote for. And I'm just going to say right now, 
you have to look past the letter. Please look past the color, look past the letter. Don't just go with whatever the news anchor tells you to vote for. Wise words. Well, it's kind of the least we can do here. The fate of our nation hangs in the balance. I'm not sure how I'm going to vote yet. I'm definitely considering voting for the Libertarians at this point. The Illinois Republican Party has been a little bit inept for a long time. So it might be time to just start voting for third parties around here. But again, vote with your conscience. Like what Tusk said, don't just uh, do whatever your party or whatever party you're caucusing with tells you to do. If you can't get behind your party's nominee, go another way. There's probably a third party candidate running or in some states you can even write in candidates. You can in Illinois yeah. under certain circumstances. Yeah, for uh, for some elections over here, you can write in candidates. So I put Harambe in on Monday because fuck it. Not really. That's don't don't vote for Harambe. Not don't vote for Harambe until I'm president, and we follow through with Project Harambe Resurrection. That's one of my main driving points for my campaign. So, vote for Tusk, two thousand sixty nine. Oh my God. <laughs> well, actually, twenty sixty eight is an election year. So, if I won in 2068, I would take office January 20th, 2069. Groundbreaking. A fucking man. If Illinois politics get any crazier, I'm going to write in the, the ghost of Ludwig von Mises or something. <laughs> Maybe it's not as absurd as voting for uh, a dead ape. Maybe it is. But politics are already absurd. Just yeah. join the clown car. I've heard that it was a myth. They said that like 15,000 people voted for Harambe in 2016. Uh, it, they said that that was a myth, but I'm sure somebody out there did it. Someone had to. Okay. Yes, I don't okay. have the stats in front of me, though. Yeah. I mean, I know somebody did it for a local election somewhere. I have no idea where, but they posted a photo. They wrote it on... Uh, wrote him as a write-in for the local election. So, that's nice. Knowing that his name is on a ballot somewhere out there, that's that's comforting. It makes me feel good. Politics is already a clown car. Why can't it be the circus? Amen. I mean, I've seen countless memes saying, man... It's amazing that the internet universally agrees that everything was at least somewhat normal before that damn gorilla died. Fuck. Shit, I remember... I remember when I learned about Harambe. Obviously, I didn't know who the fuck he was. Nobody did until he died. But I remember I was sitting on the couch in my fucking living room. And suddenly I just see the word Harambe on my phone somewhere. I was like, what the fuck? 
And then I heard, like, my brother make a joke about it at some point, like, the next day or some shit. I was like, what the fuck is this Harambe dude? Then, the rest is history. And I remember every single day up until this point since then. It's just crazier shit happening every single fucking day. Harambe held the fucking world together. And we didn't even know it. That is definitely quite the theory. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm joking when I say he held the world together, but come on, you even you gotta admit, shit got fucking insane after Harambe died. It was the 2016 election. It was fucking COVID. All the countless tragedies happening since then. I mean, tragedies have always happened. But they are basically happening left and right now. Since that fucking gorilla died. Like, what the fuck? I'm not sure I'd draw causality between those two things. But I'm politics have definitely I'm... been circus for the yeah, past few years. That's true. How the fuck did that happen? When the fuck did politicians become batshit insane? Uh, it depends what side of the aisle you're on, really. Republicans draw it back to Obama. Democrats draw it back to Bush. I Probably mean, was somewhere yeah. around Bush, so makes me think that maybe 9-11 did it. And the national security state era, Great Recession making it worse with Obama. And then Trump being a force of nature unto himself and making politics an order of magnitude more toxic. And now we're in the era of the celebrity politician, where politics are basically just a uh, reality TV show. So now politics just have to be, a, by nature, toxic as hell. Yeah. I remember uh, Howard Dean, he basically doomed himself in politics just for screaming, yeah, at one of his rallies. One of and now, if he did that today, he would be memed into office. But, Absolutely. Yeah. How, how the fuck? Biden would never be elected in the 2000s. Ever. Doesn't matter who he was running against. He wouldn't win. Hell, he didn't win in the 80s. He didn't get very far at all because he was caught plagiarizing. But, yeah, it's stupid how much shit has changed i mean back back in the day politics were supposed to be boring put the kids to sleep and the adults only listen because they had to and now everybody is in on it and not only that but it feels like dc is all run by just well a dynasty really you think about it nancy pelosi there's no doubt she's in on it the Bidens, the Obamas, the Clintons, it seems like they're all just, hell, maybe even the Bushes. I don't know. It, it seems like they're all kind of in on it together. And that's why they target Trump so much, because he's not a part of the swamp. Politicians, bureaucrats, a lot of them are definitely a class unto themselves. Yeah, particularly, I don't know why, but there's something about Pelosi. I feel like Pelosi in particular, like when I think the swamp, 
her face comes to mind. And I'm not sure why. I think it's... I don't know. I guess it's because out of everybody I can think of, she's the one that hates Trump the most. At least that's how it seems to me. You know, like he gave her his speech one time and she ripped it up in front of everybody. She even kind of threatened to hurt him after that when somebody confronted her about it, she says, because it was the better thing to do in that circumstance. And I don't know, I guess it's she butts heads with Trump so much. It just makes me think that she's sort of the head of it all, who's like, I got to bring him down because he's going to bring me down if I don't. And she kisses Biden's ass for no reason, like at the at their inflation reduction party that they had, and she had to tell the entire crowd to applaud Biden. She was like, because of your extraordinary leadership, you have brought us through these difficult times. That's an applaud line. Her words, exactly. That's an applaud line. I don't know. I, I'm just rambling at this point, though. I really fucking hate Pelosi. Indeed. And I hate the Inflation Reduction Act that they set a whole-ass party to celebrate. But yeah. the uh, Wharton School of Business model definitively said that that's not going to reduce inflation at all. Yeah, no. It'll actually increase inflation, which is uh, very funny. But I guess they couldn't get passed if they called it the Increasing Inflation Act. But nowadays, legislation is basically, you call it... Uh, the bill like like the saving puppies from chainsaws act but really you're just sending money to terrorists in yemen or something or you're building infrastructure that can't be used in the middle east or better yet we're building infrastructure here at home like that uh 1.7 million dollar toilet that's being built in san francisco that will take three years true story they're trying to take I have no idea. How, but how do you make a toilet cost $1.6 million? I have no idea, but that's what's happening. That better, it's all it's been over the news over the past few days. That $1.7 million, three years to build a toilet. <laughs> like just, I didn't know they used toilets in San Francisco. I thought they used the street. Yeah, wait. Is it just like a toilet, or is it going to be some like big monumental outhouse or some shit i assume they're going to put cinder bricks a lot around it how do you how do you spend that much money on a toilet is it made of solid fucking gold or some shit i believe a lot of it is like uh, complying with regulations and uh complying with regulation <laughs> how do you regulate a toilet to 1.6 million fucking dollars I have no idea. If anyone can explain that or send me a link to please, a good explanation please, of why it's costing that much, somebody put a link in the comments send on, this it to on me. YouTube. Please. Please. Email me at buttfuckmcluck at tusk.org. Not really. That's not my email. My email is oldmantusk at gmail.com. So, I mean, I, I have it in my YouTube profile. So just. I don't know. Email me some shit. I don't know. Send, have your mom send me your nudes or some shit. I don't know. Harass me. Send me death threats. I don't give a fuck. I already get death threats, so. Yeah, I imagine. That's 
That's the price of being enlightened. It's the red pill. It's the price of being too based. Yep. Remember, they're not after us. They're after you. We're just in their way. Eh. It's worth being in the way. Yeah, it is. Doing the right thing. Yeah. Anyway, any further thoughts on this? Which part? Any of it. The whole country's going insane. Yeah, the, the whole country's been insane, though. It's just... It's like we're standing on a cliff and the country is running and jumping off of said cliff and they're telling us that we're running too far away. Indeed. I guess I've just got a few more statistics that really wrap up what's going on for Congress and they'll probably wrap up a lot of my comments. 538, Republicans are favored to win the House. Republicans win in 81 out of 100 runs of their algorithm. So, it looks like Republicans are going to win the House. 538, it's a dead heat for the Senate. Republicans win in 46 out of 100 runs of the algorithm. Democrats run in, obviously, the remaining 54. It's really, really close. And it's climbing, too, because earlier Democrats had a much higher chance of winning the Senate. They were predicted to win by a decent majority. But now the Republicans are climbing by the day. Very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. There are a lot of scenarios where the Republicans pick up over 240 seats in total in the House. Like, that's their grand total on this 538, 538. On September 15th, Democrats were predicted in 71 and 100 to win the Senate. And now, as of October 26, it's only 54 as opposed to 71. It's looking like the Republicans are gaining a shit ton of fucking steam and they could overtake it at any given moment. We've still got a little bit more time before the election day. We do. Hopefully these trends continue. Hopefully. Anything could happen, but right now it's looking like it's going to be a hell of a fucking red wave. With key states like Arizona having Carrie Lake, the Republican, in the lead. And Georgia, um, that Stacey Abrams, she's not going to... Look, I, I never want to say never, because that's what people said in 2016 for Trump. But I would be very fucking surprised if Stacey Abrams even came close. She has failed at everything. Like Beto, but worse. Uh, I don't see Stacey Abrams pulling that out of her ass. Pennsylvania is almost guaranteed to stay with a blue governor. In Wisconsin, uh, Tony Evers is has a bit of an edge. Uh, Dixon has a chance in Michigan, uh, but, uh, my money's still on Whitmer. In the House, Republicans are almost certainly going to control, but in Pennsylvania, dead heat, I'm, I'm thinking Oz is going to win that one. Herschel Walker is gaining, is tightening the window against Warnock in Georgia. In Arizona, uh, 
Blake Masters has a chance, but it does look like Mark Kelly's going to win that one. Laxalt in Nevada. He is in the lead, so it looks like Nevada could be getting itself a Republican senator. That plus all the basically guaranteed red senator states, uh, both the Dakotas, Iowa, Kansas, both Oklahoma uh, senators are up for re-election, and they are both safely red. Arkansas, Kentucky, uh, Vance is in the lead in Ohio, as we covered earlier. Ron Johnson, he's in the lead for Wisconsin Senate. It's looking like the Republicans are going to pull out some serious fucking heat for this. And, of course, there are still some uh, safe Democratic senators, like most of the Northeast, uh, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, New York, Maryland, uh, the West Coast states, California, Hawaii, Oregon, Washington, uh, Colorado is likely going to have the Democrat win. But there's still way more Republicans that are looking like they're going to pull this out of their ass. And this is why the Pennsylvania Senate race is such a big thing right now. If Oz wins, I mean, it, it could make or break either party. So, Marquis, what are you expecting out of this? Are you expecting a huge red wave? Are you expecting uh, maybe upwards of 20 gained seats or so? I think 20 seats is a conservative estimate of how many seats the Republicans are going to pick up in the House. I'm predicting a firm Republican victory in that. In the Senate, it, a lot of it's going to come down to tight races, like uh, the one between Oz and Fetterman. Nonetheless, I'm going to go out on a limb and predict the GOP takes both chambers. The governor's races are... Uh, kind of a mixed bag. You've got Abbott in Texas, and you've got DeSantis in Florida. They're not moving at all. When you've got, look at like a Illinois, I, geez, as much as it hurts to say, we have to be realistic and that we're not going to take the governor's mansion in Illinois. Like the polls, not the polls, but election betting ad says 91.5% chance for Pritzker on that one. Yeah. Tony Evers yeah. in Wisconsin, like you said, that's it's a toss-up. It could go either way. Flip a coin. There, are, There's a lot of races that are really competitive. It's looking like a Democrat could take Kansas. That's surprising. It is. I'm predicting uh, lots of Republican victories up and down on the map, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Indeed. Well, anyways, to our YouTube viewers, leave some comments. How do you think this is going to end? Which states do you think are going to be flipped? Which states do you think are secure with their current party? Anyways, I think that about wraps us up. That's your 2022 midterms, and... Once again, we are thinking about a possible live stream, so we'll let y'all know within the next couple of weeks if we can get that set up. Anyways, I'll see y'all next week.